0: Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator Simon Good. This podcast is designed to help you develop confidence and strategic tools for dealing with conflict, whether that conflict is connected to work, study, or personal relationships. In today's episode of the podcast, I thought I might do something a little bit different and look at a conflict case study. The example that I'll use is a live recording and I'll play different parts of the interaction. And then talk about how the person could have managed the situation and what we're talking about is someone working on border security i guess it's the border between texas and mexico so they're working on one of those large tollgate kind of things someone comes through in a car the security officer i suppose you'd call them asks are you a u.s citizen and the person refuses to answer
1: how you doing sir i'm doing good oh United States citizen, sir? I just answered that before I even rolled the window down. What was that? I answered you before I even rolled the window down. I well, I didn't hear you answer that because the window was up.
0: So that's the situation that we'll be dealing with. I'd love to hear from you whether or not this format is useful, going through an example using the real audio. Um, it's certainly one of the things that I'm aware of in training. There's an increasing amount of research showing that role plays, like fake scenarios, case studies, don't actually work. Some people think that um, they're effective, and a lot of the time I'm doing training workshops, and the organizer will say, We want practical role plays. And I'm sitting there thinking, Well, I guess what you really want is outcomes for your staff that they'll be better equipped to manage the situations that they deal with. And one of the best uh, learning tools that's actually empirically validated is looking at real examples from the specific situation that you're in um, and then analyzing it and looking at it i guess with critical reflection in mind what could we have done differently which bits worked what could we reinforce etc of course just looking at an audio version today there won't be any body language or that kind of thing i'll explain a couple of things just so that you can get the context but What I'll kind of do is step through the different sequence of phrases and interactions that they have and talk about the options that the officer could have used potentially to avoid a bit of headache and drama great so i hope that that sounds like a helpful approach at least for this episode if you've got a situation that you'd like me to focus on in a future episode of the podcast you can email podcast at simongood.com are you dealing with a particularly difficult person Have you got a hard boss to work with have you in the middle of a dysfunctional team i'd be more than happy to talk through options and different strategies about ways of responding Or maybe you've got a question about something that I talk about in the podcast. Again, that email is podcast at simongood, S-I-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-E dot com. I'd love to hear from you. And then finally, before we get into the case study today, I've got some exciting news to announce. The podcast has been going now for a couple of months and I've released, I think it's six or seven episodes. I can't remember what number this is. I think it might be the seventh. And we're number four in the management category for podcasts in Tunisia. I mean, that's an incredibly difficult market to crack into, the management podcast um, category in the Tunisian podcasters. But hello, if you're listening from Tunisia, it's very nice to virtually meet you and I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast There was another country, it may have been Lithuania, that we're also ranking for. So, yeah, I just found that quite lovely and I I thought it might be a nice, nice positive thing to share with you as the listening audience. Okay, so let's have a close look at the case study. I'll explain a bit about the background and then play the clip through in its entirety. And then what I'll do is step through a second time, but pause at different elements. And I'll really be focusing on the options that the security officer could have used. I'm not entering or making a comment on the politics of whether or not he's right or wrong. To be honest, I don't know how this sits in terms of the US legislation. But if we imagine that the officer's goal was to get the information that he needed as quickly as possible, what I'll talk is about options that he could have used to manage ...the kind of situation that he ended up dealing with. So just for your information and a bit of context... ...I actually found this as a little video clip posted on Reddit... ...but obviously it had come originally from TikTok. It's around five minutes long... ...and the video is taken from a dashcam looking at a driver. So this person must drive along all day with a dashcam looking at themselves... ...so that's interesting in itself... It's a male, I guess, about 40 years old or something like that with a reasonably prominent moustache. Sort of what I imagine someone from Texas might look like. This is what this person looks like. They've got a camouflage T-shirt, a tactical kind of looking watch on. And I'm guessing from the approach that they take and the fact that they've got a camera pointed at them, I guess, all the time, or maybe they just switch it on for these kind of choice moments, they probably have some type of a social media account where they, uh, I don't know, talk about police who might be overstepping their authority or doing something that's outside of their legislation. So I'm guessing this driver, the person in the video, Probably really values free speech, for example, and libertarianism maybe, making sure the state doesn't overstep its reach. I'm I'm not exactly sure, but that seems to be a value that they hold. The other person in the film clip is a security agent. They look like they're maybe in their mid-20s or late 20s. The other person in the car looks like they're in their sort of mid-40s maybe, so The security agent's significantly younger than the person that they're pulling up. Um, It's at night time and it seems to be a reasonably busy section of the highway because there's a lot of cars moving back and forth in the background. The clip begins with the driver winding down their window and the security officer approaching. And then as you can hear, the first question he asks is, are you a US citizen? And the driver refuses to answer. So I'll play it through now. You can listen to how the conversation unfolds. You might even have a think about, well, what would you have done in a similar situation? What do you think is going on for the driver and what's motivating him? What would he need to see or hear from the officer so that he was willing to provide the information that was requested? Or on the other hand, if you were in the officer's position, what would you do differently? Are there any um, mistakes or problematic, I guess, phrases that might be used in different sections of the recording. So let's listen to it now. How
1: are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Oh, United States citizen, sir? I, I just answered that before I even rolled the window down. Was that? I, I answered you before I even rolled the window down. I answered well, you. I didn't hear you answer because the window was up. Well, the window was cracked.
2: I can't tell this thing. Look, if the window was up. Are, are you
1: the, United States citizen, sir? I already answered you. I, I don't think I have to answer more than once. I'd right. like to just be sir. on my way.
2: It's loud. There's a lot of trucks, sir. This thing prevented me from seeing that the window was cracked.
1: Are you a United States citizen, sir? I'd like to be on my way. Sir, are you a United States citizen, sir? I'd like to be on my way. I answered your question once. I don't want to talk to you. I didn't hear you answer the question, sir. Uh, that's not I my had... fault. What was that? That's not my fault.
2: Well, you need to a... you need I, need to I didn't make it noisy.
1: I didn't make it noisy outside for you. Somebody else did. Okay. I, that's not my problem. It's not my fault. Sir, just like are to be you a United way.
2: States citizen, sir?
1: I'd just like to be on my way.
2: Sir, are you nice States?
1: Citizen? Sir, may I sir, go?
2: Sir, you're stopping traffic right now. I'm and not they're...
1: trying to stop traffic. You just can I go?
2: No, you're gonna park right there, and so where? until you answer a question, it's gonna be right there, number one, behind that eighteen wheeler. You're gonna park right there, and somebody okay. will meet you there outside. All right.
1: By that ladder right there. Yes, sir. That's just where you want right to park. There. Yes, sir. Hold
0: traffic. Okay. So, what do you make of that? What's your reaction listening to that interaction? What's going on for you? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Which decisions have you made? Which assumptions have you made? Who do you think is right and wrong? And how would you have managed this situation? It's interesting. I think some people listening probably would take the side of the driver. Um, If you feel like, for whatever reason, the border security doesn't have the authority to request information from you. And and a lot of people do really value privacy, confidentiality, free speech, etc., cetera, um, individual autonomy. So I, I'm sure some people listening there are thinking like, good on that driver for sticking it to the man, so to speak, or, or at least standing up for his own rights. For me, I just think that driver sounds like such a douchebag. I find those kind of customers, when I've had to deal with them, just incredibly tiresome. It's very exhausting. And the first thought that came to my mind was just how unnecessary this whole interaction was. The person whose dashcam footage it is, the driver... They put text on the screen saying, if I look tired, it's because I am. I've just driven eight hours. I had to pull into a hotel 20 minutes up the road because I was so tired. And at the same time, they just seem to be creating this completely unnecessary conflict. So, I mean, that's interesting in itself. (laughs) I also wonder if maybe this person fits into what are called high conflict personalities That um, sort of Bill Eddy talks about in some of his research This uh, taking things very personally And no um, ability to take responsibility for the situation Like he, he answered the officer when his window was up And the person says, I couldn't hear And he says, well that's not my fault There's traffic outside, you know, that's not my fault Um, So it seems like probably some of this conflict could have been avoided on the driver's side. I, I admit I don't have a lot of sympathy watching, at least or listening to that, but some of you may. So what happened here and what could have been done differently So there are some structural factors contributing to the conflict, having an interaction in your car window, inherently the officer's standing above the person, which might have triggered a little bit of that fight or flight response if they felt intimidated, for example. A lot of people when they're driving run at a reasonably high level of stress. The person might have been cut off or there's a section of the road with lots of roadworks or a dangerous part, I don't know. Even just concentrating for such a long period of time means that his system is probably flooded with adrenaline and cortisol, which means that this interaction isn't just considered in isolation, the way that the driver and probably the security officer responds is to do with the build-up of stress for them. If the security officer's at the end of a long shift, they're probably not able to communicate as clearly, to articulate themselves, to choose the right words and phrases, and the same for the driver, so... I suppose we don't want to assume that either of these people are jerks or incapable just because this interaction didn't go well, it's likely that there was this build-up of stress on both sides. So let's listen again to that first bit of the conversation when the officer comes over, a person winds the window down, and then they're asked, are you a U.S. citizen?
1: How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Oh, United States citizen, sir? I just answered that before I even rolled the window down. Was that? I answered you before I even rolled the window down. I answered well, I didn't you. hear you answer because the window was up. Well, the window was cracked.
2: I can't tell. This thing. looked at the window was up.
1: Are you All United States citizen? I already answered you. I don't think I have to answer more than once. I'd
0: okay, so a few things going on. At least even in that first interaction, uh, for some people, I think the douchebag alarm's probably going off. Like this driver's saying that he already answered when the window was up. Well, (laughs) I mean, like, what are you saying? You already answered at a time when I couldn't hear it. Like, it it just seems so irrelevant to me. And I think the driver's probably trying to almost throw a red herring into the situation to create drama and conflict, potentially. So at the very high level, the officer comes up and he says, are you a United States citizen, sir? He has to speak loudly, I, I think because of the highway background noise. So volume's probably not something he has much control over But it would be more effective to speak softer But the other two elements of his voice he can control His tone would be better being lower More like I'm speaking now Rather than up Like he he has that slightly higher uh, Creates the, the vibe, the atmosphere of a little bit more stress A little bit more tension, a little bit more energy So the other person might start to ramp up in their escalation So I'd suggest to him a lower tone would be more effective and a slower speed. Especially if the person's starting to become difficult, I would slow down, allow more pauses between what I'm saying. The other, I guess it could be considered a misstep, but at least it was a moment where he could have considered doing something differently, was when he said, I couldn't hear you because. So the driver says, I already told you when the window was up and then the officer says well i couldn't hear you because the officer was up, uh because the window was up and then the driver can argue with that and he does he says well it was down a crack and then unfortunately the officer continues that red herring distracting argument well i couldn't see that it was down a crack because you've got this rain protector thing on the outside of the window and then the officer says something along uh, that sorry the driver says something along the lines of well that's not my problem or that or that's not my fault So the simpler version of that from the officer's perspective would have been to say, I didn't hear you. A lot of the time when we're in conflict, we feel like we're right. And it's very tempting to give the other person facts about why we're right and effectively they're wrong. We shouldn't be surprised then that that often leads to defensiveness and resistance. So if he simply said something like, I couldn't hear you, or I didn't hear that, um, or just saying, okay, thank you for letting me know previously, I need you to repeat it, I'm sorry. Um, you're being very clear about what you're actually asking them to do and there's nothing that they can argue about there. He may have then said, well, I don't think I need to tell you more than once and that may be an example of data conflict in you. You could say, actually, the fact that you've explained it when the window was up was irrelevant. I need you to communicate it to me in a way that I can hear so that I can let you into the state. So as simply as you possibly can, explaining that this is the reason why, and this is what I need you to do. So instead of saying, are you a United citizen? Are you a United citizen? Are you a United States citizen? And just repeating yourself, it would have been better to say something like, look, I need this information to let you in, or to, in order to let you through, I need you to repeat yourself. In that way, we don't have as much that they can get in a debate about, like the background facts of whether or not the window is down a crack or not. We focus more on the specific request that we're making of them or maybe summarizing our specific need. I need I need to know if you're a US citizen. The other thing that happens even early in this conversation is that the officer never shows empathy he never seems to demonstrate an understanding of what the driver says, I don't think, at any moment, and instead often argues the counterpoint. So if the driver says, I already told you, the officer says, I didn't hear you, if he says the window was up, he says the window was... I couldn't see that, whatever. It may have been more effective to show empathy, even if you decide to empathise their, with their position before summarising your own. So he could have said something like... Okay, it sounds like you did tell me previously or you've answered me already or you've already explained that when the window was up. Because I didn't hear you, I'll need you to let me know again. Or because I didn't hear you, I need to ask you the question again. So he could summarize what the other person was saying, that you've already told me or that, yeah, it's possible that I couldn't hear because of the background traffic or whatever. At the same time, I need this information from you. So, okay, you've already explained it to me at the same time because I didn't hear it. I'll need you to repeat yourself. Low tone of voice, slower speed would make that more effective and lower volume if you can manage that. The other thing you might be starting to think about is what kind of conflict is happening here. Data conflict might be the driver thinks they don't have to give this information and they're being asked to provide it unlawfully, for example. That might be data conflict. Data conflict. Maybe the driver wants attention, (laughs) maybe they want acknowledgement, maybe they feel like they've been disrespected. If it's the disrespected side, then that would be relationship conflict. They're having a knee-jerk reaction to something about you, whether it's just their assumptions about you and what you look like and what you sound like or whatever, or the role that you're in, or, or maybe it's to do with something that you've said or done has pushed their buttons or upset them. So that's relationship conflict, but it might also be interest conflict. They want something and we want something else. They want privacy or they want to keep their personal information confidential. At the same time, it's important for you to, I guess, be aware of who's coming and going across the border. So you could summarize the interests of both of you without getting into the argument about the data. If he thinks incorrectly that he doesn't need to tell you the information, then you might say, "Um, Sir, actually, according to the legislation, this is information that we're required to ask of drivers entering the country. Or maybe you could say something like, Look... In this kind of situation, you don't have to answer, is that something that applies to you? Like maybe there are exemptions around coming as a refugee applicant, for example. I'm, I'm not sure again of the US legislation. So let's continue and listen to the next section of the conversation.
1: Well, I, well, I
2: didn't hear you answer that because the window was up. Well, the window was cracked. I can't tell this
1: thing, look, at the window was up. Are you a
2: okay. United States citizen,
1: I already answered you. I don't think I have to answer more than once. I'd like to just be on my way.
2: It's loud, there's a lot of trucks, sir. This thing prevented me from
1: seeing that the window was cracked. Are you a United States citizen, sir? I'd like to be on my way.
0: So here we can see there's a bit of a broken record pattern happening. The driver's repeating themselves, saying, I'd like to be on my way. I mean, this is really important information because that's their interest. That's what they're saying. I'd like to be on my way. They're not saying, you don't have the authority to ask me this. They're not saying... Um, you know, you've been unprofessional or inappropriate and that's why I'm not giving you the information. They just keep saying, I'd like to be on my way. And so if the officer did decide to empathize, he could say like literally that, you'd like to be on your way. And then he could again say, and I need this information in order to let you through. And I need to know if you're a US citizen to allow you entry. You'd like to be on your way at the same time because of the role that I'm in. This is information that we require. So we could summarize his position as well as our own. And it might mean that it short circuits this pattern of people repeating themselves. A lot of the time customers or clients or people that you're dealing with might continue to say the same thing again and again. And often that's because they don't feel like you've heard them. For me, watching this video or listening to it now, I actually didn't get the sense that the officer had heard anything that the driver said. So I suppose in some ways it's not that surprising that the person continued to dig their heels in. When someone's playing this game, they're using this tactic of just repeating themselves again and again. That's not information I'm required to tell you. That's not information I'm required to tell you. Or I just want a refund. I just want a refund. Or I I want to speak to a manager. I want to speak to a manager. Well, I guess if we just could play the same game back at them, like you just says, are you a US citizen? So <laughs> again, I mean, what's that old saying about uh, 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 insanities expecting a different outcome from doing the same action or, or something along those lines? It would be more effective to reset. And one of the best ways that we can reset a conflict is to summarize. So I might say something like, oh, let me just see if you understand if we're on the same page about what's going on here, sir. Um, Part of my role is to check whether people are US citizens, and so I've come up and asked you that question. At the same time, as you've said, you did answer me already, and, I mean, it may have been because the window was up or it was down a crack, as you say, and there certainly is a lot of traffic outside. For whatever reason, I didn't hear you. So this is the situation that we're in. That summary that you do often is a really effective way of resetting and then you might say something different. Maybe you could say, is there a particular reason you'd prefer not to tell me or do you have a particular concern about answering the question again? Um, Is there a particular issue with with repeating yourself? Or you might say, "I'm, I'm wondering if I've done something that's caused you concern. Have I said or done something that's maybe upset you or that you feel has been inappropriate so I mean any of those options are fine but the goal is to shift the direction the conversation's going I quite like that saying have I done something wrong here have you perceiving that I've been inappropriate or unprofessional or whatever and it might be that the person says yes I didn't like your tone of voice or you know you didn't explain your who you were or the authority or whatever So then we can go back and deal with that. It might be data conflict, just a misunderstanding or interest. You're busy and they're expecting you to do something that you're not required to do. (laughs) Maybe it's structure, the the fact that there's all this background noise. So the same conversation would be different if we could go somewhere quieter, maybe more private as well. Um, So we could do that reset and then hope for a change in direction by doing something differently ourselves. And then the final thing that we could start to do to ramp up the level of assertiveness that we're using is outline the consequences. So first I would probably use something called a positive confrontation. This is where we talk about what the other person's done, ask them to do something differently, and then check. So the what here would be something like... This, I've asked you that question a number of times, you're refusing to answer it, and as you say, you you feel like you've already answered it once already. What I need you to do is give me that information about whether or not you're a US citizen, so that I can let you through. Are there any particular issues with that? So we summarise what they've done, you're refusing to answer. Ask, I need you to give me that information And then the check is about, is there any problems with that, or do you have particular concerns, or is any of that not clear, Uh, do you have any questions, etc. When I'm in a leadership management role, I might say, when can you have that done, is there anything you need to make sure that you can get it done? In this kind of situation, I would be more like a closed-ended question, like, is that clear? Okay, so let's continue with the clip.
1: Are you a United States citizen, sir? I'd like to be on my way. I answered your question once. I, I don't want to talk to you. I didn't hear you answer the question, sir. Uh, that's not my had, fault. What was that? That's not my fault. Well, you need... A, you need. I need to I didn't make it noisy. I didn't make it noisy outside for you.
0: Okay, so this is definitely a high-conflict personality. I didn't make it noisy outside for you. That's not my fault that you didn't hear. And it's not about fault. This is something that high-conflict personalities often do, is try to make interactions very personal. It's not my fault. Well, the implication there is that I was implying that it was your fault, when actually I was stating a fact that I didn't hear you. So I often try to nip this in the bud if I can. If someone says, that's not my fault, I might say something like, it's not about whose fault it was, I haven't heard you, I need you to repeat yourself. So we take the focus away from that, you know, little sidetrack that they're trying to invite you on. It It's almost like a game, I think, that these people play. And often these kind of personalities are very similar in family and friend relationships. They're often bouncing between roles or different organizations at work. And the sort of like thing that I'm often just incredulous about is the fact that they lack an awareness of... Like you're having these same communication and relationship problems in all areas of your life Your work relationships suck You don't like the people you work with You don't get on with your boss Um, Your team doesn't like you if you're in a team leader (laughs) and manager job You're divorced You don't have a great relationship with your kids You're cut off from half your family And yet somehow it's still everyone else who has the problem Um, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily this person's in that category, but gosh, I've certainly come across enough of those types of individuals doing workplace mediations and especially going through uh, mediation for divorce and separation as well. So the driver's trying to invite the officer into this game of, well, that's not my fault. It's not my fault that there's traffic outside. The simplest option would to keep your response brief, focus on the facts, ask clearly what you want them to do
1: somebody else did okay. I, that's not my problem it's not my fault sir, just like my citizen, sir. i I'd just
2: like to be on
1: my way i just like to be on my way
2: sir are you a united states citizen sir may i sir, go sir you're stopping traffic right now i'm, I'm not the, trying to
1: stop traffic you just can i go no
0: so i think this is an important part of the conversation the driver raises his volume he speaks a little bit louder with a little bit higher tone it seems to me like maybe that fight-or-flight response is starting to kick in with him. He's at least displaying a bit more stress. And definitely for the officer, his voice raises, he's stumbling a little bit for words. He's probably feeling a bit overwhelmed or unsettled and not confident or not sure how to respond and it's not that surprising. It's a pretty unusual kind of predicament to find yourself in, asking him, you're at a border check-in, and obviously you need to check where the people coming in are, are from, but for whatever reason, this has played out the way that it has. He tries to appeal to interest. He says to the driver, you're holding up traffic. I don't know if that's an attempt to embarrass the driver or... Um, I don't know, explain to him that he's causing negative consequence and delay for other people. Um, He's doing this, I guess, with the assumption that the driver cares about other people. But if we're dealing with an actual narcissist, then that won't be the case. And maybe the person's just doing it for attention or they don't mind um, delaying the other drivers behind them they might almost feel vindicated by the action that they're taking. It's like a, a protest, a way of getting back the man, regaining power for the people or something like that. Or he feels very strongly like there should be more open borders and so causing a delay is in itself kind of a mini protest. I suppose we don't know, but what we certainly don't know is that that would make any difference to the driver. So I think the officer trying to appeal to something in the driver is probably not the best tactic to use. If someone has been displaying this kind of behaviour, like trying to make the conflict personal, petty kind of stuff, or um, what would you say, like reasonably extreme types of behaviour, like I've already told you once, I'm not going to tell you again, at least from surface level, it seems to be kind of childish. I almost then would go into more of a parent type of role like I would with a child. If I say to my son, can you clean up, please? And he says, it's not my fault. I didn't make the mess. Me saying to him, well, they were your friends, mate, whatever. It just means that we're going to get in an argument about whether or not it's his job to clean up. The more effective strategy is just to say, regardless of whose mess it is, I need you to clean it before you brush your teeth tonight. So go immediately back to the request that we're making. It's one of the tools that we can use to be assertive. To level up that level of authority, though, and the level of assertiveness, we're probably at the point now, I think, if I was the officer, where we need to give an ultimatum. As you'll see in a moment, the officer is already there. He's saying, well, I'll need you to pull over to one of the waiting bays until we can get the information from you. But before he did that, I think there was an opportunity for a final effort at getting the driver to change his mind. So when we are at the final straw, if you swear at me one more time, then I'm going to hang up the phone. Or if you say that one more time, then this conversation's over. If this happens again, I'm going to quit my job. (laughs) Um, If you don't do this again, you'll be on a formal performance management plan at work. The better way to do all of those kind of ultimatums is as a choice. If we just say, if you do this bad thing, this is the bad consequence, then it feels and comes across like a threat because, I mean, it literally is a threat. If you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. The better way to do it is as a choice and we put the positive option, the thing that we want the person to do, second because it has the most prevalence in their memory and attention. So in this case, I might say to the driver, look, if you continue to refuse to answer the question, as you've said a second time, about whether or not you're a US citizen, then we'll need you to pull over to the waiting bay and there'll be more delay. Or if you could answer my question and communicate whether or not you're a US citizen, then I can check your ID and let you through. And I don't know what Is the next step there But the positive thing is I'd like you to give me that information If you can give me the information About whether or not you're a US citizen Then you won't have any unnecessary delay You can be on your way And wouldn't that be a nice way To use the phrasing To copy the exact words That the driver was using I'd like to be on my way I'd like to be on my way So again you could say Look if you refuse to answer the question We'll need you to stay And explain to you the consequences of that Or if you can give me that information, then you can be on your way and you won't need to speak to me anymore. Again, using that person's own language about what's important to them. And we put the thing that we want them to do second, which increases the chance that they'll do it. Does it guarantee it? No. Sometimes people will still do the thing that we don't want them to do, but it's more effective than either jumping straight to the negative consequence, I need you to pull over here, or just doing it like a simple threat. If you do this bad thing, this is the bad consequence that you're going to get, mate. It tends to then just ramp up that adversarial nature of the conversation.
1: Well, you need to... you need, I need to I didn't make it noisy. I didn't make it noisy outside for you. Somebody else did. Okay. I, that's not my problem. It's not my fault. Sir, I just like are to be you a United way. States
2: citizen,
1: sir? I, I just like to be on my way. Sir, are you a
2: United
1: States citizen? Sir, may I sir, go? Sir,
2: you're stopping traffic right now. I'm, I'm not there.
1: trying to stop traffic. You just, can I go?
2: No, you're going to park right there. And so until you answer a question. It's going to be right there, number one, behind that 18-wheeler. You're going to park right there, and somebody okay. will meet you there outside, all right?
1: By that ladder right there? Yes, sir. That's just where you want me right to park? There. Yes, sir.
0: Hold traffic. Okay, so that's the end of the section of the clip that we'll use. It actually goes on where the driver does pull over into the waiting bay. I guess the supervisor comes over and the supervisor is pretty annoyed. He says, why do you have to make this so difficult? Why can't you just answer a simple question? And the driver just continues to say, I already answered. I'm not going to repeat myself. It's just such a bizarre (laughs) situation. And... I guess I should say at this point, my heart just goes out to anyone working in police or a different security kind of service. It just must be so annoying to have to deal with these kind of people day in, day out that just want to waste your time. I mean, for me, I just consider my time to be so incredibly valuable that when someone wastes it, it's just like so infuriating, so... Yeah, I certainly do feel a lot of sympathy for the people who need to deal with these kind of members of the public. At the same time, I suspect that maybe this person had had interactions with police or border security or something else that probably, from their perspective, were quite negative. And so... I don't think people drive around with a dash cam pointing at themselves without some type of motivation. It might have just been they've watched so much social media that they think that this is normal and they're some kind of a hero vigilante for keeping the police honest. Or maybe they have had genuinely negative experiences and they want this for um, self-protection or something along those lines. So, you know, even I need to be careful about the assumptions that I make. You know, just as a final point, though, when I asked earlier, what's your reaction to this listening to this conversation unfold, I wonder how it's changed now. Listening to me and and my impressions, are they exactly the same with what you thought, or maybe they're a little bit different? This type of reflective practice, especially about situations that we are in, is incredibly helpful. The left hemisphere of our brain focused more on logic, linear thinking. That finds it very useful because we can pull apart the types of conflict and maybe develop options. If there were structural factors, maybe we could have some type of sound barrier between the lanes if these were recurring issues that were coming up. Maybe we do need to have um, structural factors like you are required to explain whether you're a US citizen to enter the country. A big sign that says something like that right where we stop the driver might prevent them from taking this negative course of action. Or maybe it's something that we're saying and that we're doing, relationship conflict, that might be contributing. Maybe the officer was rude previously that wasn't included in this clip. Um, we, we just don't know. Engaging in self-reflection like this in a critical way often expands the options that we have to deal with a situation. And when that's an ongoing conflict that you're dealing with, gosh, that can be incredibly useful. So the left side of our brain is more focused on the logical, you know, rational type of thinking. The right bit of the brain is more active when we engage in empathy. And that is also very effective at mitigating our own fight or flight response. So, going through this type of an exercise where we might say, I wonder what the other person's thinking. I wonder what the other person's feeling. I wonder what the other person wants and needs. I wonder what the other person would like to hear or see from me that might encourage them to shift and consider being flexible. Ironically, I think someone often needs you to really explain and demonstrate empathy. Summarize their position and make it seem quite reasonable Before you then explain either your issues with their position or your own position So, you know, really leaning in with this driver and saying Look, I I don't know how long this drive has been but you look tired Um, You may have had negative interactions with law enforcement before And as you say, you've actually answered my question Although as I've explained, I didn't hear it Um, Have I got that right? Does that sort of capture your take on the situation until now? And then he might say something like, and it's not my fault that you guys can't hear, or something like that. And then we could either just let that go, like just don't respond to it, but he's had a chance to say it. Or we could summarize that again. You're right, you're not responsible. If we have some type of a hearing issue, that's not a problem that you need to solve. And then I would use either and or at the same time. Or, you know, um, on the other hand, part of my challenge is that we're governed by particular protocols. And so if I don't get that information from you, it's not so much about whether or not you've said it. I do need to hear it in order to let you enter the country. So it's up to you. If you decide you'd prefer not to answer the question again, then you'll need to pull over to the waiting bay and I can get my supervisor. Or if you're willing to repeat yourself, answer the question, give me that information that I need, then we don't need to talk anymore. You won't need to talk to us anymore. You can be on your way. There won't be any more delay. So that real empathy bit is often crucial at the other person being willing to change. When people are in an escalated state, some of the things that they're needing is status. They want to feel important certainty they want to know what to expect so we could say something like look I don't need other information about your address or where you live or all I really need is your name a copy of your ID and just to confirm that you're a US citizen verbally so maybe that would be helpful certainty around this isn't going to be 15 questions there's only these three or certainty around look we can usually process this in less than a minute So sort of explaining, I'm not going to detain you unnecessarily. It's not going to be more of an ordeal than you expect. People want autonomy, which is one of the reasons why giving a choice works. They feel like they're in control in the driver's seat. You know, pun intended in this situation. And they want fairness. So you could even say something like, look, I I get that you feel like you don't need to repeat yourself. Um, actually, this is the situation where this legislation applies, and you do need to communicate it to us. And the important part is that we receive that message. So fairness might be saying something like, "You know, it's I'm. It's not just because I don't like you or something. Actually, I can't let you in unless I get that information. It's not me that's the problem. It's the system. It's the rules. It's the law, or whatever else it might be. Almost just saying to them, this is a consistent." behavior, or consistent practice. It's not personal. So I hope that that's been helpful for you. Looking at that case study example, I've certainly found it found it interesting myself to think about and listen to. If you would like me to take a similar approach, other case studies, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you've got a case study, have you got a situation or an example that you found difficult to deal with? You could even just Press voice memo if you have an iPhone or voice recorder on Android. Record yourself summarising it. You could say, you know, I'm dealing with this jerk of a boss and they're constantly micromanaging me or our team is in chaos, no one's clear about what they're supposed to be doing or my neighbour drives past really fast and I've got young kids. Um, I'd be very happy to focus on a particular situation that's relevant to you and it's not so much about right and wrong But what I could do is just explore the different lenses that we could use to understand the situation as well as options for responding. Thank you again for listening. If you'd be willing to leave us a a review, hopefully it's five stars on Spotify or iTunes. They're the two places where it makes a real difference. Otherwise, stay tuned for future episodes of the podcast. Bye for now.